Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Well, if there's one topic that uh, stirs the the juices of, of believers of all of the Abrahamic faiths, it's the topic of Armageddon, and even more so the topic of Armageddon and politics, which is the title of a book that was recently reviewed in Liberty Magazine. And uh, here to talk about that book and the role of Armageddon in politics is uh, scholar and writer Dr. Ed Cook. Ed, welcome to Freedom's Ring. Thank you very much, Alan. It's my pleasure to join you and your audience. And uh, we certainly appreciate all of the contributions that you've been making to Liberty Magazine over the years. Armageddon and politics. Well, each of the three is Abrahamic religions have their own views of Armageddon, but my question first is, how do they play into politics? Um, this book is not just a discussion of, of different theological perspectives. We're looking at the, the role of, of Armageddon theology as it affects uh, political outlook. Isn't that right? Uh, that is correct. And um, the, uh, in essence, the root that I uh, identified among the three branches uh, of these faiths, uh, Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, that involves their religious views with politics, is that each of them has some element of a theological basis that argues for their faith to be involved in politics or worldly events. And, you know, as their theology basically uh, teaches, uh, the end-time events or the apocalypse are things that are definitely tied in with politics. Um, so, Christians, our listening audience is, is primarily a Christian radio audience, presumably somewhat more familiar with Christian views of Armageddon. Um, what about Jewish and Muslim views of Armageddon? What can you tell us about those? Yes, for Muslims, uh, they have the understanding, uh, of course, they identify uh, what we call, for Christians, we call Jesus as the Savior. Uh, they identify him as the, uh, one of the prophets that came from Allah, uh, the sixth in the line of, of prophets, and Muhammad being the seventh perfect prophet. So they don't actually see Jesus as the uh, divine incarnate Son of God, as we do. However, for Muslims, they do see Jesus, this good prophet from the Lord, as having a central part in the Armageddon, the end-time events, uh, where they see basically uh, Jesus returning uh, back at the end of the world. Uh, for Jews, they recognize the Messiah when he should come, uh, which they don't recognize Jesus as having fulfilled that, as Christians do. Therefore, they're still awaiting the expected Messiah to return. So how do these views impact their view of politics? Well, for Muslims, for example, are the different branches that we would say, you know, there's the Sunni, the Shia, and then among those there's subdivisions as well, uh, some that are more uh, progressive and others that are more, we might say, conservative uh, in their views and interpretation of the uh, Quran. But basically, uh, just kind of summarizing it, the Muslims recognize that politics plays a central role because from their viewpoint, the end-time events that need to take place related to the return of the, uh, as they would term him, uh, the Mahdi, M-A-H-D-I, 
is something that plays a central role in the, these events. And primarily, I would have to mention that the jihadist uh, branch of the uh, Muslims, those that are radical Muslims, they actually believe that part of that end-time scenario is establishing an Islamic caliphate worldwide. And so uh, the ISIS is actually uh, looks at itself as fulfilling prophecy in that sense, right? Correct. And that's uh, part of their rallying cry uh, that they use in, in recruiting individuals and talking about establishing an Islamic caliphate to usher in the end-time events and to receive the Mahdi. Um, however, there's other uh, Muslims that we would call uh, more um, centrist uh, in their views that they actually kind of believe the reverse of that, is they believe that when the, the Mahdi returns, that he's going to overthrow all evil uh, groups or any kind of uh, movement that is harmful. And they actually argue that uh, the contrast to ISIS is that when the Mahdi returns, he's actually going to destroy ISIS and other groups that are evil in their nature. So I guess ISIS would be Exhibit A as to how the mixture of uh, last day events, theology, eschatology, we call it, and politics um, can be a very volatile and dangerous mixture. Yes, uh, definitely. I would say that is that you know, and uh, the thing that I, I would want to mention, uh, Alan, at this point is that you know, in this uh, context of our conversation, we're of course referring to Islam, uh, extremists uh, within Islam, not just the Islamic faith in general. But I would also say that uh, such a viewpoint a combination of politics and zealous religious followers could actually apply to any religious group. Well, we're going to move on from there, because within Judaism, of course, um, among some of the ultra-Orthodox, there is, well, in Judaism generally, isn't it true that um, Judaism teaches that when the Messiah comes, he'll gather all the Jews back to Israel? Correct. So some of the ultra-Orthodox take the view that it's a sin to move to Israel and try to do the work of the Messiah in advance, while others take the opposite view, that moving to Israel hastens the coming of the Messiah. Correct. And, you know, looking at, again, uh, those differences in, uh, we might say, nuanced interpretations of theological views, uh, not only within Judaism, but also within Islam, and I would have to admit, even within Christianity, um, you know, there's among Christians, there's some that believe in the end-time rapture uh, and a period of the seven years tribulation. Others uh, don't actually adopt those views. So there's some nuanced uh, inter interpretations of the end-time events among all three faiths. Sure. Um, but in particular, uh, coming back to your, your statement about the Judaism, the ultra-Orthodox, uh, that is correct that uh, there are some that argue that the Jews should return to the homeland and others that argue that that is not a necessity. Well, and of course. Um... Uh, there is also the belief that uh, when Messiah comes, Israel will have will recover its historic territory, and uh, some of which is certainly occupied by the Palestinians. Yes. And so, with the you know those who are expanding the settlements, which is a um, a flashpoint of conflict. Um, uh, some of them are doing it for religious reasons, for that very reason, based on their view of hastening the coming of the Messiah. Correct. Uh, you know, now we have a Jewish example where 
uh, last day events and beliefs about politics can create political tensions. Exactly. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, kind of referring back to uh, the example with the Islamic faith briefly, um, you know, the radical or extremist uh, Muslims, the uh, like ISIS, would argue for the Islamic caliphate and therefore the need for all Muslims to rally together and basically establish what's called the Ummah, or the body of believers, um, from a global perspective, but also with specific geographical territory over there that is uh, what used to be known as the uh, the Levant, um, that territory that they've conquered there in, in the portions of Iraq and also Syria. Uh, so those are things that, uh, you know, it's interesting how geography ties in with political uh, visions as well as apocalyptic imagery. Um, that it, it can be a very, uh, at times, a very uh, potent and, and uh, dangerous uh, motivating factor for religious adherence. Well, let's turn now to kind of the Christian view of things. Um, can you give me an example of how Christian theology can have um, volatile uh, political consequences? Yes, uh, you know, the um, primary thing I, I would argue within the history of Christianity has been the idea of establishing the kingdom of God on earth, uh, in essence, where they... Uh, it, it started back with uh, Roman Catholic views of the union of church and state, where they believed that the uh, kingdom of God, or God himself, established the Catholic Church as a divine institution, and through which he mediates his grace to humanity, and the mission of the church is the salvation of, of humankind. Uh, for that reason, they viewed the state as also a product of God, a divine entity, so to speak, that is in essence to work in harmony with the Church to achieve the missiological uh, and salvific aims of the Church. Uh, so in that regard, uh, through much of uh, Western Christendom history, uh, the Church typically got involved in politics and uh, kingdoms and nations and so forth, trying to establish uh, and work out some kind of a medium uh, between the state and the church to achieve those goals. Um, in more modern times, there are some of the Protestant groups that have adopted or inherited, maybe I should say is a better word, uh, inherited that same kind of ideology uh, of looking at the kingdom of God being established on earth. A couple of uh, prominent Protestant theologians I can think of would be uh, uh, Niebuhr. Uh, he talked about Christian politics. Uh, then you also had some other individuals that, in more modern times, um, that also argued those same things. In essence, that the church should be involved in politics and in regulating society. And I, I really wouldn't go so far as to say morality, uh, because um, there's some of the things the church argues for that one could say has a moral basis, and maybe other things that are more of a, a particular political viewpoint or agenda and not really based on, on Christian morality. Well, beyond, you know, issues of legislating morality, um, I think what you're saying is this notion of, of the union of church and state and the kingdom of God on earth lends itself to a kind of Christian triumphalism, which can be discriminatory towards people of other faiths. Correct, uh, especially like Dominionist uh, theology, where they believe that, um, in essence, Biblical principles need to be established in society for the well-being of the nation and uh, the peace and prosperity of, of humankind. But this takes on a particularly messianic or last days application, doesn't it? In the sense that, you know, it's in the last days 
that uh, you know the Messiah will establish the kingdom of God on earth, and the church, of course, uh, takes it upon itself to to help that process along. Yes, uh, I would say that if one follows it logically, that is the uh, the rationale behind uh, those Christian viewpoints. Yes. However, I think that uh, you know to be fair to the discussion or the topic uh, that we're we're dealing with now, uh, we should also recognize that there are other Protestant groups that look more so at a perspective of recognizing the authority of the state as a civil institution uh, designated by God to maintain order and peace in society, but not necessarily to advocate religious or Christian teachings. Uh, and that's where we kind of reach the uh, Lutheran viewpoint of a separation between church and state uh, in a semi-autonomous fashion, uh, but not wholly separate, because Luther argues for the uh, theory of two kingdoms. Uh, we're citizens of two kingdoms, both of the kingdom of God and uh, citizens of our earthly kingdom. Um, then on the far uh, spectrum among Protestants, we also find that there are others, uh, Protestant groups, that argue for more of a complete separation of church and state. Well, I'm glad that you presented the healthier notions here and uh, just before we close would like to also put in a plug to our listeners one of the first books that Chuck Colson wrote after becoming a Christian and leaving you know the Nixon White House uh, was called Kingdoms in Conflict and there's a wonderful fictional scenario there about how last day events about Armageddon could have a dire impact on political decision making uh, my guest today has been Dr. Ed Cook. We've been talking about the book Armageddon and Politics, the uh, dangerous, potentially dangerous intersection of last day events and politics. Thanks for being with us, Ed. Thank you. We want to remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help those suffering religious discrimination, especially in employment. So do check out our legal resources page at www.churchstate.org. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.